0: All right, you're going to need to turn your Bibles to John chapter one get ready for that He will come to no surprise for some of you. <laughs> that one of my writer friends, John Knave, who also took care of the financing for our building and who's become a good friend of mine, will often turn to me and say, after I've made a statement, he'll look at me and he'll go, but you're a pastor. And it's not that I'm saying horrible, nasty, terrible things or doing awful things. It's just that I have something inside of me where I, I just like to poke at people. Does that, I, I know, that just shocks you, doesn't it? In fact, and, and then he'll usually follow up with, I can't believe you said that you're a pastor, with, you are the club instigator, aren't you? Because I just like to tease people and poke people. And so an example of that was at the Rotary dinner, spaghetti dinner, I was working behind the serving line with other people, and and these interact kids, the high school and middle school kids would come up, and they they would be doing the serving, and they they would walk up, and you could tell they're just nervous and not quite sure what to do, and they'll say, can I have three meals? And I would just look at them and go, no. <laughs> and their eyes get real big, like, up. and then I would smile at them. I say, oh, of course you can. And then they would smile, and then we'd had some interaction, and and that's happened enough that over the years, many of them know me and we build a relationship and they'll come up and get hugs from me. It's just there's something in me that I, I just can't leave well enough alone at times and feel like I have to be an instigator, a disruptor, um, and, but, but for good reason. And... And I believe that Jesus came as an instigator, as a disruptor um, of the world system that he came to. Because it, he couldn't help it <clears throat> because he came as light into darkness. And as re, so he, it wasn't as if he could come in any other way but to disrupt And to instigate what God wanted to cause. And I believe, and I'd like you to write this down someplace on your outline, that we are far too comfortable with the world and often in our Christianity. That we are far too comfortable. And and that's a part of what I do when I'm at Rotary Club or with different activities is is just to try to say something that would cause people to think a little bit differently or to, to break the ice or break the tension or you know, if they're two rotary members are kind of at each other, is just to say something that cause people to stop and think a little bit. We are far too comfortable, I think, in this world system. And, we are, and, and I, one of the ways that I say it often is we're way more upside down than we realize. And Jesus didn't come to affirm the world system, he came to bring light to the darkness. And so I I just sense that God is nudging us or maybe pushing us even harder than just a nudge to take a harder look at Jesus' advent, Jesus' arrival, and how we should focus on it during this season. Because I think the American Christianity is, is buying in way too much to the culture In a lot of different ways, but especially during this season. When God is calling us to be the light so that people can see Jesus. So, John chapter 1, I want you to turn there. And I I just find, as as I mentioned before, I just find it really interesting that in John's gospel, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he starts not with Jesus' birth, but with Jesus' identity and who he is. And what he was about. And and I think it's a nudge for us to do the same. As we approach this season, is to not focus so much on the baby in a manger, but on Christ as king. Christ as Lord and Savior. That was his purpose. So John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. says, in the beginning was the word, the logos, the personification of God, the embodiment, the incarnation of God. and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He identifies Jesus as the personification, the the incarnation of God himself. And And he goes back and he says he's always existed. He's eternal. There was never a time when he didn't exist, where he wasn't He's without beginning and end. He's the creator. And and so he is God. He, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are equal members. In him was life, verse four. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus comes into this world, his advent, his arrival as light into the darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear wit he came to bear witness about the light. So John the Baptizer came, pointing people to Jesus as the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So John, by the Holy Spirit, chooses light as the word that he keeps repeating as Jesus' identity. So he's the light. He is the one who brings understanding. He is the one who, brings, who splits the darkness, who dispels the darkness, who gives an understanding of who God is. He's the light. And Jesus would go on to say oftentimes that he was. Verse nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. This is important. The context of Jesus' arrival was darkness. The world system that he came to was darkness. He came as light to dispel that darkness. But the darkness was the opposite of who he is. And so when he comes into the darkness the darkness is going to fight he came to provide light the opposite of darkness as an invasion of understanding of who god really is advent is an invasion it's an invasion of the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of this world it's 180 degree different and so Jesus comes into a culture that is without him. And, w- and so as we'll, what we've talked about before is repent is the, the command. Turn around from the darkness in order to come into the light. And so he came as the true light. He came into darkness. The darkness didn't receive him. The vast majority of people would reject him. But then verse 12, but, all to, all, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, of man, but God. It's, it's a little bit later in John chapter 3, in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, he identifies this, you have to be born again. You don't come into the kingdom of light. You don't come to God by, by any worldly means, of any earthly means. And so that's why he's saying people who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, because some, you know, a mother and a father decided to have a child. It's not, it's a supernatural birth, a born again. And he offers that to everyone. Verse 14, and the word became flesh, his arrival, his advent. And that's the story that we see of Jesus' birth. And he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth, light, grace, truth. So to all who would turn around, who, who, to all who would say, okay, I see the light in this darkness. I'll turn away from the darkness to all of those. He became, he gave the opportunity to become his children, not just slaves, not just servants, not just worshipers, but his children. That, in essence, sums up what the Advent season is about. Jesus' arrival. He came as light into darkness. He came into enemy territory. He came to the world that he created. And that's why John emphasizes in the first few verses who he was. He's always existed. He's God. He came into the world that he created as as Lord. He should have been Lord, Master, and Savior to all. But the vast majority of people would fight him instead, ultimately killing him. But for those few who received him, he brought them into the light, took them out of the darkness, and they received what they were originally created to have, abundant life. Satisfaction by reconciliation with God and the ability to have a relationship with other people that are healthy and and to join God in the work that he's doing. So could it be that God wants to shake us up a little bit? He wants to be an instigator during this season that the world calls Christmas. To shake us up and to shake us out of just participating in the system that is more distracting than it is focused on him. Could it be that he wants to turn us right side up a bit? I think it is. And I think for every single one of us. It's going to have a different flavor and a different look. But I don't want us to be the same on January 1 as we are right now. I want us to experience him more deeply. I want us to see what his arrival really means and what it means for him to be king and ruler of all as the light and the truth of the world. We are far too comfortable in our world as people who should be people of the light. We're far too comfortable with darkness. Have I started meddling yet? Good. So I'm going to give you a whole bunch of, (laughs) I'm going to introduce a lot of stuff that we could spend a lot of time on um, with a lot of scriptures that I have a hunch that God's going to bring us back to for the next few weeks. So let's take a look at some actions to experience and to be the true light of Christ. Number one, receive a right side up identity as light. We need to intentionally receive the identity as light rather than darkness. Um, from the beginning, and so when Jesus began his ministry, his manifesto was Sermon on the Mount. And, he, and after the Beatitudes, blessed are, he immediately goes to the identity of who his followers will be. He starts with salt, and then he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16 You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He came as light, and he said, if you're going to follow me, then you need to be the light. You need to, not in yourself, but by the Spirit of God in you, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a blanket, but, uh, but on a stand. Uh, under a basket I'm sorry on, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house in the same way let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven and if you see me breathe, breathing deeply a couple of times it's because I'm anticipating what I'm about to say i believe far too many times me included we have i have put the light of christ under a basket to participate in some of the ways of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to humbly surrender and say, God, please help us. Because we're far more upside down than we realize and we don't know that we're upside down unless he reveals it. That's why we have to listen. There's much more, much more putting a basket over who Jesus is in us, then we realize. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's Jesus what Jesus offers. We need to we we need to receive this right side up identity as the light, walking in the light and intimacy and alignment. Turn in your Bible, flip it over to John chapter seventeen. We're gonna be in John quite a bit, so you might as well just keep your finger there. John chapter seventeen. Does anybody need a Bible? Everybody got one? Good. Terry, I can't believe you're making that noise. <laughs> John 17, beginning with verse 13. This is a part of what is called Jesus' high priestly prayer. As he's met with his disciples, he's taught them, and now in John 17, he prays for them and for us. And he says, but now I am coming to you. It's a prayer, so he's talking to his father. And there, and these things... Um, I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So Jesus' desire is for us to have his joy to the full. That's what he desires. Not to be oppressed, not to be downhearted, not to be overwhelmed, not to be frustrated, but to have his joy. That's his desire. I've given them your word. So the source of the joy is the life of Christ in his word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, um, and so I keep your finger there. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the twelve disciples. You know, I've been watching the chosen off and on, and I've been thinking a lot about them. And and one of the things that keeps reoccurring to me is every single one. of Judas Judas t- killed himself. He walked away, killed himself. But for the other eleven, every one of them was persecuted. All of them were martyred, except for John, who was exiled on the island of Patmos. And so when Jesus says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world, that's what it looks like. And it it cuts me to the quick, because I don't want people not to like me. I don't want Be persecuted. I I mean, if you're waking up in the morning going, I hope I get martyred today, there's probably a deeper issue going on. You know, we, we do want to protect ourselves, but we have to love Jesus more. And so for people to dismiss us or treat us badly, that's a part of being in the light. I don't want to disappoint family members. But if, if I have to do, not do things or do things because I belong to him, then I have, that's just the result. Amen. Right? This is where the rubber meets the road. I think we're far too comfortable. We, we try far too hard to be acceptable in darkness when Jesus is calling us out of darkness into light. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. In other words, I'm not asking you to take them out of their pain. But that you keep them from the evil one. That you prevent them from being destroyed. That you protect them. They are not of the world. They're not in the darkness anymore. Just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Set them apart by your truth. By your reality. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. All of that then leads us to the second. Number two is to assume everything in this world is upside down darkness. To assume everything until proven otherwise is darkness. Everything in this world's system. This is huge for me. Um, because um, I used to b- believe the best about everything until proven wrong. Mm -hmm. And God has been pushing me, especially in recent days, to take a reality check. Mm -hmm. That the word of God actually tells us to assume everything in the world is upside down. Mm -hmm. Everything is darkness, Mm -hmm. unless it's proven to be light. Everything that we hear from media, Everything that we hear from education, everything we hear from pol- politi- politicians, every, every everything, e- even even in ourselves, mm-hmm. is to assume that we're upside down unless God has turned us right side up. Yes. I have a, a friend, Sam Moore, who used to be a part of New Song, known for over thirty years. He's an attorney. Actually, I had my office for six years in this building, and so we're really good friends and. He tells this joke about himself or his his profession. He says, "You, you know how to know? Do you know how to know? Do you know how you can tell when a lawyer is lying? He's when his lips are moving." <laughs> now, I he, he tells it on himself. I don't <laughs> say that. He goes, "But I'm I'm the good. One. I'm one of the good ones. You know, I don't do it." All that. But. But he's, he's dealt, so for decades, he's dealt in that field. And it just, because it's about winning rather than truth. Mm-hmm. And so I say that to, as, as an example, do you know when the world is dark? You know when the world is upside down from Jesus? All the time. All the time. Unless it's of God. So why do we believe things that are coming out of this world and, and, and so this is hard for me because I used to, I used to bl- want to believe the best about everybody, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, whether they're Christ or not, whether they're Christians or not. I wanted to believe the best because that's a lot more comfortable than believing they don't have my best interest in mind. But as I dig into the truth, I, I look at it and say, we need to assume upside down darkness when we hear anything, when we see anything. Unless it, and, and until we go to the truth of God and see if it's really there. We are far more upside down than we realize. Assume, so, I know, and uh, I am going to get in so much trouble. Uh, I, I don't want you to hear that everything about Christmas is wrong, Okay. Because I know some of you love all the the stuff that have to do with Christmas. What I want you to do is take a look and delineate between what is Advent and God and what is of the culture and the world. It's not wrong for you to go to an office Christmas party in and of itself, unless it pulls you away from Christ. It's not wrong for you to like lights unless it pulls you away from Christ. It's not wrong for you to give gifts unless it's becoming a distraction, unless it's becoming something that detracts from God, unless it pulls you away from God. Because I like lights, especially when they're green. So I don't have to, I don't have to stop, right? So it's not that lights in and of themselves are wrong, Right? So, so, so please don't hear, but here's what I do believe is that we have got so into the culture that it becomes a distraction and we spend more money, more time, more energy on things that don't matter because they're of the world. So we need to choose wisely. Okay. Assume everything is upside down darkness. And you can tell we're not going to get anywhere through But we'll come back. First bullet point. Jesus is the light. The world is darkness. Thus, there will be opposition and conflict. He comes as an invasion into the darkness, as the light. So darkness doesn't want to give up what they have, right? Satan doesn't want to give up what he has captured. The Pharisees didn't want to give up the power and the money and the position that they had. The people in this world, um, the athletes that are successful, they don't want to give up what they have. The business professionals that have been successful, they don't want to give up what they have. So in and of ourselves, we don't want to give up what what we have. So when Jesus comes, there's going to be opposition and conflict. I go back to John chapter 1. Verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness had to overcome it. There's the assumption, is that the darkness is trying to overcome it. But it doesn't because Jesus is God. He was the light of the world. Jump down to verse 10. He was the light of the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. Jesus is the light, and the world is darkness, thus opposition and conflict. Which then follows. Christ's followers are Jesus' light and the world is still darkness, right? Even though we live in a country that has claimed to be Christian, it's darkness. The world is darkness, unless they're following Jesus, unless they're truly, truly following Jesus, thus opposition and conflict. So when, if we are living as light and we're following Christ, and then we've hit opposition and conflict, our response, the response of most Christians is, oh no, I can't believe this has happened to me. Where's God? Why does he do something? Right? And our our actual, our response should be, well, of course. Mm -hmm. If you're in the war, you're going to, you know, bullets are going to fly, right? Bombs are going to. And so accept the fact that you're going to be in conflict. Accept the fact that it's going to be painful. Accept the fact that you might, have, have hard things, bad things happen to you because that's just the world we live in. John chapter 15, verses 20, and 21. Jesus says to his disciples, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. Amen. Because they do not know him who sent me. The world is getting darker. The morality is deteriorating in our country. In, in, other, in other places of the world, they're persecuted all the time. You know, they just accept it as a way of life. We're struggling with it. American Christians are struggling with it because we haven't had to deal with it. But we're going to. We're going to have to deal with the darkness. And when conflict and opposition and pain comes, we need to accept that. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm becoming a cynical, crotchety old man. (laughs) I think I'm becoming a realist. I think I'm becoming, this is what the Bible says. Right? And I and I I wish I would have really taken heart something I sense God said to me when I was in high school. My dad was not a Christian, he didn't want me to go away to Bible college, and I was putting up with all of the emotional and verbal abuse. And and I remember I could I could take you to the place in the road. I was driving, um I must have been seventeen. I was driving along and I could take you to the place on the road. On Willowdale, I just come down the hill, come back up the hill and I was driving and I was just kind of praying and whining to God about my dad and all of this stuff. And, and I sensed the spirit of God say, why would you expect someone who's not following Christ to act like someone who does? Amen. I went, oh, yeah, why would I expect my dad to act any different? Mm-hmm. He's a heathen, Right. He doesn't claim to be following Christ. He thinks when you die, you're like that car out there is gonna rust and you're I mean, he's told me all this stuff. Why would I wish I would have remembered that 50 years ago and applied it to my life all of these years because that's the reality. We are going to face that because people don't act that way. So our response needs to be: number three, out of who we are and becoming the light and recognizing there's going to be darkness and opposition and conflict is we need to live and speak right side up light in the midst of darkness. We need to, too often we put a basket over our light because we don't want to deal with the criticism or the hurt, or we, we don't want people to find out because we don't want to face it. Jesus And and sometimes I think it's because we've watched people who claim to be following Christ who are, are constantly cursing the darkness. And we don't want to be associated with that. And rightfully so. And so we, out of not wanting to be associated with that, we put the basket over our light. So this is really important. Jesus did not curse the darkness. He came to be the light to dispel the darkness. And we are to do the same. It's like we live in a world where the loudest voices who claim to follow Christ seem to be the ones who are cursing, criticizing, condemning, saying, you know, being mean and, and, and as if they want everybody to go to hell. Where Jesus comes and he goes, I'm the light and I want everybody to come to me. So I tried to think of a picture that would maybe help us fix this in our minds. And this is the best I could do. And maybe we could work on it together as we go forward. Um, imagine that you're in a very, very dark forest. It's really, really dark. you are out there in the dark forest. There's no light. You don't have any, any way to create. You don't have a flashlight. You don't have a candle. You don't have anything. And you're just out there, you're in the darkness and it's so dark and you've lived in the darkness, you figure this is the only existence there is. And then for, in a the distance you hear a voice. And that voice begins to say, hey, I've got a light. But you don't see a light. You just hear a voice calling from afar. I've got a light. You need a light. And you're like, well, I know I need a light. I don't have a light. And then that same voice starts saying, well, why don't you have a light? You should have a light. You should find a way to get a light. You're so dumb and stupid. You don't have a light. You you need to know. Don't you know that you need a light? And and you're a bad person because you don't have a light. And I think that's the picture of so many people who call themselves Christians. They're out there over hollering at people who are in the darkness and not giving them any hope. And as a result, the, you know you're you're in the darkness. You go well. Who are you? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. You need to be a Christ follower too. And people go. I don't want to be anything like you because you have a light that you could come and help me, but you're not doing anything to help me. And then from a distance, you see this pinpoint of a light over there. And as you try to fa- try to fall, you're just running into trees. You're falling down valleys because it's not enough light to see anything. And I think that's what, that, that's so oftentimes what people experience. That's not what we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be cursing. The it doesn't do any good for us to look at what's happening in our world and go bad, 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 bad. What we need to be doing is here's the light. You can turn from that. You, you don't have to be in that. You don't have to be, you don't have to be out there in the darkness. So what do we do? Live truth always. That's that's the bullet point. Live truth always. Here's a phrase that haunts me that I've talked about a number of times. Live not by lies. Refuse to cooperate with anything that is not true. That is the pressure that is coming in our culture. Mm -hmm. Is is to cooperate with what is not true. Right? And We don't have time to talk about all the ways that's going to manifest itself. But the pressure is going to be on to define what people are, what marriage is, um, what reality is, what living a a good life, what being kind, uh, all, all those things. The definition is coming from the darkness. And we have to shine the light. Live not by lies means don't cooperate with anything that's not true. And when we do we're putting that basket over our light. A Couple of scriptures. First John chapter one, uh, we've looked at that one. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five, beginning with verse six. And just by the way, look at me. This is gonna take guts. And a courage beyond anything that most of us have had to exercise so far. Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't buy in to the lies that the darkness gives us. That's That's the empty words. Because it's opposite of God. And God's wrath will come as a result of it. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. That's why we don't curse the darkness. We used to be there, right? Mm -hmm. We could take time and list all the ways that we were a part of darkness. We were in darkness. So don't criticize people who are in darkness. You used to be there. We were a part of the darkness. But now you are the light and Lord. Walk as children of light. You've come out of the darkness and now you're following intimacy and alignment. Live as the light, live it out, live by the truth. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true that we find in the word of God. This is how we, and, and we, we're living in a culture that's going to try to define good and right and true in a different way. Here's where it is right here. We, this is what we know. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. How do we expose them? By living as the light. Refusing to cooperate with anything that is not true. And that is how we stand out. In a loving, as we love. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in the secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. That's what light does. That's why people don't like it. Because if you're doing stuff that you don't want people to find out about and you're living light and light is shining on it, now sh- would people go, douse the light. Get the light out of the way. But when anything is supposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Be the light. We'll talk, I'm sure, more about that. Live and then speak. Speak the truth in love always. Speak the truth in love always. This is a hard one. Our job is not to criticize. Our job is to speak truth in a loving way. I heard years ago about uh, a church that had a pastor who every Sunday he preached on hell. Hell, hell, hell. Until finally he got tired of it and they fired him got rid of him. Next pastor came in and every Sunday he preached on hell. And they loved him. And somebody that was kind of familiar with the church congregation came and said, what happened? That one preacher you, you said you fired because he preached on hell every week. The next and now you love this guy that comes in and he's preaching. And they said, because the first one acted as if he wanted to send us there. And the new one acts as if he's trying with all of his might to keep us from going there. Speaking the truth in love rather than condemnation, criticism. So our job is to speak the truth in love. Not cooperate with lies, stand for the truth, but do it in a loving way. And so the scripture in Ephesians chapter four, beginning with verse 11, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with it, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? Love, speaking the truth in love, in care. This is a statement that came to me this week. I'll just throw it out there. You can write it down. I'm not going to talk anymore. Some of Jesus' truth is not even popular in Christian circles. And we need to get used to that. That's why I emphasized for a couple of weeks what a true church is. Because there are places that have church in their name that are no longer standing for God's truth. And so they're not a church. All right, number four. So for this season, focus on Advent, not Christmas. I think this is a time to apply what we're talking about in being light and darkness. All that we've said in these first identity, our identity is light. Expect and assume upside down darkness. Live and speak right side up. In this season, focus on Jesus as the light. Focus on Jesus as the light. Advent is about Jesus' arrival. And um, traditionally, if you go back and and do some studying on it, it was a time of, of sacrifice, self-denial, preparation, repentance. It was a period very, very similar to what Lent was intended to be. But it didn't, it didn't come about in being until several centuries from the early church. And, and I got to thinking this week, I, I half wonder if, if some um, Christ-loving, sold-out clergyman looked at people's apathy and said, we got to come up with some way of getting people to think right side up about what Jesus arrival is all about. That's what Advent was supposed to be. It was supposed to be where we're here now Christmas. And when I say Christmas, I mean the cultural focus. Christmas is about self-indulgence. Advent is about repentance and self-sacrifice and self-denial and surrendering to Christ. A time of, where Advent is a time of surrender, Christmas, all of this, um, is about pleasure and possessions. Where Advent is about Jesus' invasion, the upside down, I know I'm going to be in trouble for this, is about Jesus' birth as kind of a fairy tale Hallmark movie. They're nice, they feel good, but it's not true. I mean, it's not Go through the list of Hallmark movies and tell me one movie that has any reflection of your life in reality. When I, I look, I look in the in the final. I know some of you like Hallmark movies. I'm not trying to ruin it for you. Just please separate that from reality, okay? (laughs) Lord of the Rings and Hallmark belong in the same category. Okay, fantasy. I look at the, you know, the final scenes of those Hallmark movies and they've got like 50 trees in this mansion and every one of them is decorated gorgeously and beautifully and, and just that scene had to cost them a million dollars. Anybody here have Christmas Eve like that? No. I, anyway, uh, okay, that's my soapbox. Jesus' birth was about God returning to what he had created as Emmanuel, God with us to pierce the darkness and restore. The upside down world Christmas is about Jesus' birth sometimes as God being all about us instead of us being all about him. So my challenge, once again, is pay attention to that which distracts or detracts and and don't allow it to do that. And focus on Jesus as the light and the truth and his return, his coming and his return. Every Christmas Eve for thirty 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 one years, um, we have a worship service. We call it carols and candles and and we try really hard to focus on the true meaning of what Jesus' birth was about and every year we end with a candle lighting service, a candle lighting congregational candle lighting, and every year I emphasize that this candle, the middle candle, which just about put some of you into a, a conniption fit, because I lit it, we lit it today, is the Christ candle. It represents Jesus' arrival. And the traditional way of, of using advent wreath is every week you light one of these candles at Christmas Eve, you light the Christ candle um, as anticipation of who Christ is. But as I was thinking about all of this this week, I, I thought, mm, we need to flip it. Because Jesus has already come. His Holy Spirit has already come to live in us. He's already made us the light. And so we're, not, we're no longer anticipating that. We're cel- we celebrate it. But we're not anticipating that. And we need to recognize that these candles, the prophecy candle, the peace, love, and the joy candle are contingent upon Jesus having come and filled us with his spirit. So I I, I get it. I'm not criticizing anybody who celebrates the wreath the traditional way. I, I understand. I understand. I just think for us, we need to emphasize that Jesus is here and Jesus is the light. And Jesus has put the light within us. And so on Christmas Eve, we're going to have the traditional carols and candles, and we're going to sing the songs, and, and we're going to focus on Jesus' uh, Advent. But this time, I want us to bookend it. At the beginning of our Advent season, remember Jesus has come. And when I, when I light this candle from the Christ candle, it represents the, Christ, the light of Christ in me. And my commitment to live not by lies, but live by the truth in his light and speak the truth, not put the truth under a basket, but speak the truth in love as a commitment. So that during this Advent season, we focus on Jesus as the light Mm -hmm. and everything else is fine as a cultural thing, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to let it distract us. So candle lighting. As I light this candle, We recognize that Jesus has come as the light into darkness. And he invites every single one of us to surrender our lives to him and allow the light of Christ to fill us. By you accepting this light is just this morning a recommitment to him to say, I will be your light. I will live as your light. I will speak the truth and love as your light in the midst of darkness. And I'm going to, we're going to play the, the song um, that we introduced, Here I Am to Bow Down. I would encourage you to maybe take a few moments of meditation, surrender, um, offering yourself up to God as we light the candles, and then, and then we'll close in prayer. Pass it back that way. And after you receive it, just pass it behind you, one person to another. Do you have a candle, Melissa? Do you want to do we have an extra candle? sing that. Turn it up a little bit. As a worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Are altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether one. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Lord, I pray that during this season you would arrest our hearts and our minds and our souls with an overwhelming sense of your presence, that you would draw us to yourself. Clearly identify ways that we need to surrender, ways that we need to allow you to turn us more right side up. Identify those times when we put our light under a basket by our actions or by our words. And then lead us to know how we can let our light shine. And Let us know. Lord, tell us and give us the courage to obey. I pray not just for us individually, but as a congregation, we would be your light in this community and beyond. Shining your truth, your reality, your presence. And in doing so that we will experience that joy that you talked about that you desire us to have, Lord we're so grateful, so grateful for how you're working, how you're moving, how you're transforming lives. do it more, do it broader, do it bigger, do it farther. Just let us be your light in the name of Jesus, we pray amen and this is all